The fires raging in the east coast of Australia demonstrate how quickly, like how extraordinarily quickly, the environment can change from fairly benign to extremely aggressive. There is, I think, a level of rage and frustration amongst people that, for some people, will draw them to more extreme action. That was UTS sociology professor Andrew Yakubovich. You may remember Andrew from part one of this series on ecofascism. If you haven't already, check it out to help you better understand this one. In part two, we're looking at how the climate crisis fuels ecofascist ideology and how some of those narratives already exist in mainstream politics. You're listening to Think Sustainability. I'm Julia Karkatzel. So last time we defined ecofascism as the belief in racial purity as the only way to save the planet. That eco-fascists place the well-being of the earth, nature and animals at the forefront of their ideology. And although eco-fascism draws on ideas dating as far back as the 19th century, the contemporary context, specifically the climate crisis, has given the ideology a new edge. Australia's gone from you know, um, gazing at its navel two or three years ago to the midst of a huge crisis in terms of fires and uh, dead rivers and, you know, uh, agricultural catastrophes and so on. I think we're going to see them rise quite dramatically. These ecologically focused um, sort of fascist type, the, the end of the world is coming, we have to save ourselves type movements. Betsy Hartman. Emeritus Professor of Development Studies at Hampshire College in Massachusetts, agrees that apocalyptic narratives spurred on by the climate crisis give eco-fascists a new sense of urgency. Here in the United States, there's a real tendency toward, uh, still toward apocalypticism, this eco-fascist view that we're, you know, approaching some kind of major um, conflagration or the end of the world, especially around climate change now in the environmental movement. As we discussed in part one, anti-overpopulation, specifically by non-Anglo, non-white immigrants, is at the core of the eco-fascist argument more extreme ideologies and philosophies will become more and more attractive, partly because of global warming and, um, and partly because there is a reality associated with population growth. You know, that as the world's population grows, its capacity to support the numbers of people um, declines. This idea of immigrants washing up on the shores of the West, arriving to destroy new land after the degradation of their own, is the common narrative repeated among eco-fascists. In the climate crisis, these immigrants are known as climate refugees. I mean, climate change is bad enough as it is. It's urgent enough as it is, you know. You can look at the forest fires. You can look at um, melting ice. You don't need to then make it look like all these poor people in the global south are going to come across our borders, you know. Uh, bleak future scenarios of millions and millions of climate refugees roaming across international borders, creating havoc. Climate refugees or environmental migrants are those who are forced to abandon their homes due to environmental degradation or extreme weather events. 
Experts estimate that climate change is likely to displace between 150 and 300 million people by the middle of the century. But Betsy says most of the conversation related to climate refugees is alarmist and misleading. Are so many people really going to be flooding across borders? Most uh, migration will probably be within countries, not across borders. Why is migration happening? Migration is a complex question. There is likely to be climate-related migration. There already is, but it's complicated. There are a range of other factors involved in people's decisions to migrate. Behind the eco-fascist lens, those occupying the global south are causing environmental degradation. When, in reality, those living in poverty are being forced to migrate because of the actions of those on the other side of the world. Ecofascism is often described as a fringe movement, bubbling away in the confines of Twitter or forums like 8chan. But some experts fear there's possibility mainstream politicians will be influenced by the ideology. As the right wing or conservatives deny climate change less, as that denial movement dies, starts to die out, which I think it, it is slowly, you're going to see the right or different factions of the right scrambling to come up with their own kind of forms of uh, the understanding of climate change and climate politics. In the United States, right-wing anti-immigrant policies already tick many boxes. It's a very dangerous moment because there's been a right-wing, right-wing populism's um, use of uh, the immigration issue to, to build its power. Uh, if you combine that with kind of eco-fascism and plus climate change, you can get these very perverse outcomes and ideologies. This strain of kind of eco-fascism never died out, and you're seeing it on the rise again, especially since it so much focuses on immigration. I think in the context of right-wing populism, we should be extremely worried about this um, and its influence on, you know, green movements and parties. Around the same time Stanford biology professor Paul Ehrlich published The Population Bomb in the U.S., a man by the name of John Tanton from Michigan set up a network of anti-immigrant groups. Tanton very strategically deployed environmental arguments to try um, to take over the Sierra Club in the, um, in the 1990s and early 2000 and tried to get environmentalists on board by saying immigrants, you know, are causing environmental destruction in the United States. They should remain in their countries where they have a smaller ecological footprint. When they come to the States, they, you know, consume like Americans, therefore we don't want them. They're also overcrowding and polluting, you know, the landscape. One of America's largest non-for-profit enviro organizations, the Sierra Club, once treated immigration-driven population growth as the biggest threat facing America's environment. Now, groups like the Federation for American Immigration Reform, Zero Population Growth, Center for Immigration Studies Think Tank, are still active and influential. 
So but this network is tremendously powerful, and it still is. In fact, you know, Trump's uh, Stephen Miller so, associated with it, um, Jeff Sessions, the former attorney general, Trump himself, Federation of American Immigration Reform. And some of this really hateful rhetoric against immigrants you're getting comes out of the Tantan network. Generally, they haven't been using environmental arguments as much under Trump because he's like launching vicious right-wing attacks on immigrants anyway. But one can imagine, and they still have on their websites, I've been checking it out, they still have these kinds of arguments, and some of them are to do with climate change, again, that people should stay in countries where they have low carbon emissions per capita instead of coming to the U.S. where they're going to have larger carbon footprint and pollute the country and cause overcrowding. And Australia is no better. The right, I think, doesn't have a problem with climate change. And in fact, people like Mr. Abbott or others of his own will talk about there's always been climate change. We we have to adapt to it. We have to deal with it. We have to, you know, there's been many ice ages. All sorts of things have happened. We've got to deal with that. But we shouldn't um, abandon our culture in the process. And we shouldn't abandon our space and our control of our space. Right, because we have a quality of life, etc., 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 and just because we feel guilty about what's happening to them, we shouldn't commit harakiri. So there's that argument, I think, on the right. After the New Zealand Christchurch attack, Senator for Queensland at the time, Fraser Anning, shared a statement with the public. He said, the real cause of bloodshed on New Zealand streets today is the immigration program, which allowed Muslim fanatics to migrate to New Zealand in the first place. Just a year prior, the same senator used the Nazi term final solution in a speech calling for a plebiscite, asking voters if they wanted to end all immigration by Muslims and non-English speaking people from the third world. Australia continues to host intense debate and negativity around migration and refugees. Australia is probably the best place in the Western world to be an online racist. There's no accident that the guy who did the killing in Christchurch was trained up in Australia. And he he got everything he needed here. He was so predictable. So it's clearly clear, for instance, there's now a global network of far-right, white power, anti-white extinction groups with a sort of eco-fascistic edge to them. The climate which enables it in social media, instantaneous communication through through the internet, um, and the capacity of people on the internet to communicate widely and to share ideas, right? Um, is effectively unconstrained, and in Australia more than elsewhere. Australia has barely any legal structures or strategies to limit online hate speech and racism. The level of intolerant, vicious hate speech is in fact larger and wider now than it was a decade ago. And that's absolutely as a consequence of the, of the opportunities provided by the internet. Australia hasn't signed the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, specifically Article 4, which mandates the criminalisation of race hate speech and racist propaganda. 
the Liberal National Government have also made two failed attempts over 2013 to 2019 to remove Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act on the grounds of free speech. And where it's all happening, on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, not enough is being done. The, the big um, platforms, Facebook in particular, have to my mind some very self-advancing strategies that aren't actually going to make much difference. The, the Facebook environment um, magnifies disinhibition. Action is always post hoc. While different accounts get closed down, etc., 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 the um, the range of freedom to um, to vilify, to um, proselytise, um, hate, and so on, is unending. The outcome of Christchurch is essentially a ban on. Uh, people who do naughty things running nasty videos after they do it. Um, but I think that you could do a lot more to prevent them getting to that point by treating sort of racist diatribes and racist mindsets um, as a social problem to be engaged with rather than as an India, sort of individual idiosyncrasy which should be protected under some sort of rubric of free speech. So how do we rewrite these destructive and racist narratives? At the moment, it appears that ecofascism is not a terribly well-organized um, uh, movement, but again, it, it could become more so, it could you know, become more powerful. And I think it's um, be really important not only to have a national response, to these eco-fascist ideas in terms of national environmental groups and others, um, but also to have more international solidarity against it, sharing information and also keeping a watch on the far right in each of our countries and what they are up to in this regard, really tracking it seriously. Many people are suffering under right-wing populist governments and the anti-immigrant movements and also, you know, the failures of, of governments to tackle climate change. One of the most powerful things people can do, I think, is share information, come together and also put forward positive visions, because in a certain way, this is a battle for the public imagination. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SCR Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Thanks for your company.